0: Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, We are so excited about all that God is doing here at Prodigal Church and uh, across our city. And uh, next week is going to be such an incredible service. Our our kids' Christmas performance, Santa's going to be here. Um, It's just going to be great. And so to kind of get us even more excited about Christmas Eve services next week, I have invited my son Dex to come up and sing a, a song or two. So, would you give him a round of applause? Here you go, Dex. Here you go. That's the bigger one, yeah. But we're gonna use that one. This, this is the big one for people. Yeah, it's for bigger people. Yeah. So, so, uh, uh, are you gonna sing songs? Maybe jingle bells. Okay. Well, let's go. Go ahead, buddy. Jingle bells. Jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, a fine little reindeer open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, a fine little reindeer on open sleigh. Oh, that was really good. That was really good. That was really good. Um, maybe now you can sing another one. What other song are you gonna sing? Deck the halls. Okay, deck the halls. All right, take it over. Deck the halls with a of holly and fall, la, 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 Okay, you're gonna go down the stairs with mom. You're gonna go down the stairs with mom. Great job, son. Daddy is very happy. Great job, son. Daddy's proud of you, son. Here are a few fun letters that children wrote to Santa. Here you go, it'll be on the screens. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies for you. But if you are real hungry, you can use our phone and order a pizza to go. (laughs) Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. (laughs) Dear Santa, this one's from a four-year-old. I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. (laughs) Finally, dear Santa, I'm not going to ask for a lot. Here's my list the Etch-a-Sketch animator, two packs of number two pencils, Crayola fat markers, and the big gift, my own color TV. Well, maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't want to be really selfish. (laughs) Kids are are amazing. Kids are amazing. And uh, speaking of amazing kids, next week, our Christmas Eve services. Um, nine and ten thirty a.m. Okay, there's two of them. And I'd like to encourage you, if you are a regular uh attender here at Prodigal Church, if you don't have a preference on which service you'll attend, would you make the effort to wake up a little bit earlier and attend the 9 a.m.? This will open up more seats um, for first-time guests to come to the 1030 service, uh, and that would be amazing. Our kids' performance will be at both services, and it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. We have been traveling through the Christmas story these past three weeks, and we've looked at the genealogy of Jesus, we've looked at Joseph the Righteous, and last week we looked at Hail Mary, full of grace. And uh, if you missed any of those, uh, you can find them on iTunes podcast or on YouTube or via our website. And this morning, we're going to look at some other characters in the Christmas story, the shepherds and the magi. And so we're going to kind of be camped out in Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. And let's start in Luke. It says this in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people.'" Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May God bless the reading of his word. What do we know about the shepherds? Well, uh, in the Midrash, which is an early uh, Jewish commentary, says this about shepherds. There is not a more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. First century shepherds were at the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder. They were typically uneducated, usually poor, and since they lived among animals and the elements, they smelled of dirty sheep, okay? I mean, they smelled woolly bad, okay? (laughs) That was bad. Because most of the shepherds didn't own land, their, their flocks grazed on the land of their neighbors, okay? This can sometimes create tension. Imagine your neighbors just letting their dogs run loose in your yard all the time, okay? This is how annoying shepherds were in the first century. They were tolerated, but they were not really esteemed. And we often think of shepherds as, oh, cute the shepherds. They work with tiny, cute little sheep, you know? And like lamb chops from the old PBS show is there, which... Don't you think Lamb Chops is a little bit of a morbid name for a lamb for a kid's show? Um, But when Luke tells us that shepherds were the first to be invited to see the Christ child, first century hearers would not have found this endearing. They would have found it shocking. And yet, who does God choose to bear witness to the birth of the Savior of the world? Shepherds were so looked down upon that they, their testimony didn't count in the court of law. If there was a crime committed and your only alibi was you were hanging with three shepherds, you were toast, okay? What they said didn't count. If shepherds can be a witness to Jesus, we all can be a witness for Jesus. And these weren't just regular shepherds. These were the worst of the worst. This was night shift shepherds. Okay, the lowest end of the lowest end. And this is who God chooses to testify and to give witness to the birth of our Savior. When the shepherds arrived, they saw with their own eyes Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And they became God's messengers, telling others about the child. And this actually demonstrates the rhythm of the Christian life. And this this will be on the screens. Others tell us about Jesus Then we see with our own eyes and believe, and then we tell others what we've seen, and then we return to our lives with joy changed forever. This is the rhythm of the Christian life. You can be a witness for Jesus. That's what it means to to be a witness, is just to share your experience and live differently. A witness is someone who bears witness to what they've seen or experienced, You don't have to know it all. Just tell what your experience has been. Man, this is how I was. And man, this Jesus thing, (laughs) there's something to it because, man, I'm a whole lot more loving and forgiving and merciful and joyful. You don't have to know it all. You actually dismantle the need to argue when you just tell your story. In fact, in a court of law, you don't want witnesses to try and come up with all the pieces and put everything together in some grand theory. Right, That's conjecture, and you can object to that. Uh, You also don't want the person uh, to witness to stuff that they heard other people say, but haven't really experienced themselves. That's called hearsay, okay? Objection. No, what a witness gets to do is just talk about the parts that they know. Man, I I once was lost, but now I'm found. All I know is I, I was blind, And now I see. And it can be small, it can be simple, but that's the beauty of it. Share your encounter with the risen Christ. And some of you might say, well, man, I just, you know, I don't feel led. Uh, Sometimes we use that, the Holy Spirit, as our excuse to why we don't engage or uh, share what Christ has done in our lives. Man, I just don't feel led. If you don't feel led, I encourage you to every day, just grab a little golf pencil Put it in your pocket, and whenever you don't feel led, put your hand in your pocket, and then you feel led, okay? <laughs> Our call is to be witnesses. When someone asks you a question that you don't know about faith or whatever, here, here's what you say. Man, that's a really great question. I don't know, but one thing I do know is, you see, the, the, there's often this arrogance and ignorance within the Christian faith that we could probably do without. It's okay to say, I don't know. Man, that's a great question, I don't know. Instead of trying to put all the pieces together, the scripture teaches us again and again that we are loved by God and that we belong to him and he is everything that we need and we should be able to share and show that, demonstrate that in word and in deed throughout our lives. And I just wanna let you guys know, I'm not the best person to be that witness to your family and friends. You are. You are. Uh, as in this new church plant, we, man, we, it's been an incredible ride. Like, we're 18 weeks into this thing, and um, we had got, like, these three 12-foot banners, and they're awesome. Like, it's got a logo on it. It's got our times when we meet, and we put them right there on Palm Avenue and Browning and Palm and Barstow, and, uh, man, we had people coming in all the time. Oh, we saw the banner. We saw the banner. Cool. And it was awesome. And then maybe a, a month and a half ago, we got a call, the principal here, and uh, Fresno Unified got a call from someone that complained about our sign, um, that, you know, a school's government, and here's a church, and, and so then the principal asked us to, to take it down, and we obliged, like, no questions asked, like, no problem. And I was like, man, those signs were pretty cool, and I really felt the still small voice of the Holy Spirit say this that prodigal church will not grow because of signs. Prodigal church will grow because of you. Uh, quick survey. Yeah, praise God. That's good. It's good. It's true. It's true. Quick survey. It- Raise your hand real quick, and you can just do this if you're shy. Um, if you came to Prodigal Church because you saw a sign somewhere, or, or a piece, okay. There's a couple. Awesome. Praise God. We're so stoked. Now, raise your hand if you saw something online, and that is actually like social media or something like that, and that brought you here. Raise your hand. Okay? Now, raise your hand if someone invited you. Oh, <laughs> mic drop. Okay? That's what it's about. It's about people. Uh, Prodigal church will not grow because of signs. It will grow because of people, you and me. We, like the lowly night shift shepherds, are called to bear witness to Jesus. Now for the Magi, Matthew chapter two, starting in verse one. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. Verse 7. Then Herod re- re- called the Magi secretly and found from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. We can often forget how bright and beautiful and evocative the night sky can be. Have you ever gone up to the mountains and you pull over and you look up and you're just amazed? The stars are shining so brightly as if never before. And it's almost as if it we're caught off guard because it's like we've never seen them before, even though it's above us every night. The ancient world, innocent of streetlights, never forgot the night sky. It was always speaking to them. Many people, particularly in countries of the east of Palestine, had developed the study of stars and had really made it into an art form. And they believed that everything was interconnected, and when something was happening on earth, you could see it in the heavens. The Magi apparently saw something in the heavens that led them to the conclusion that there was to be born a king of the Jews. Now, various theories have been put forth as to what they may or may not have seen. Some say it was a comet or a supernova. Some say it was when Jupiter and Saturn aligned as they did in 7 BCE. Um, Also, Jupiter was the royal planet. Saturn represented the Jewish people. And so when these two aligned, astrologers came to the conclusion that a king of the Jews is to be born. And they followed the star. Now these magi, they were different. They came from the east. They weren't Christians. Actually, there was no such thing at the time. And they weren't Jewish. They were most likely followers of Zoroaster. They were of the Zoroastrianism faith. Very interesting. In Israel, Christians would tell the Christmas story, and they would portray different scenes of this Christmas story. Uh, And there's this ancient church in Bethlehem, and in one panel they depicted these magi. And uh, here's a a picture of of this. Uh, the, The magi don't look like anyone else in Israel, right? This is how they're depicted. They don't dress like the Israelites do. They're wearing pants. Israelites did not. They have belted tunics. Israelites didn't wear that. And they've got these caps on. Israelites didn't do that. Actually, in 614, there was an army from Persia that came to the Holy Land and began to destroy all these Christian churches. And they get to this church in Bethlehem and they see these paintings on the wall of the Magi and they stopped. And, and, and they said, that's us. That's us right there. And they didn't destroy this church because there's a painting of the Magi from the east that looked and dressed just like them. Those are our people. This was in 614. Among the things I find fascinating about this text in Matthew is that God gave a sign to a group of truth seekers who were likely not Jewish. Uh, they were likely some kind of Zoroastrianism priest and uh, God spoke to them in a way that they would understand through the stars. What might the Magi story tell us about how God looks at people of other faiths? See, Christians, were all too often super willing to pronounce judgment on everyone who doesn't believe like we believe. But this text seems to say that God deeply cares about people of other faiths. Now, you should be in relationship with people Of other religions. You're not sinning if you do so, okay? You should be able to listen and love them, and if you can't listen to them, you're probably not doing a very good job at loving them. You should be able to agree to disagree in a Christ-honoring way, and I think the church often struggles with this. The Magi ultimately foreshadow the fact that the gospel is gonna be taken to the entire world. Luke's telling of the shepherd story points to the humble and lowly that are called to meet Jesus, the shepherds. Matthew's telling of the Magi story points to God's concern for all people. The shep- shepherds, poor, lowly, disreputable. Magi, wealthy, powerful. Later on, the gospel tells us that um, they had to flee and flee from Bethlehem and Nazareth down to Egypt to escape from Herod. How was this poor carpenter and this poor virgin mother able to afford the coastal route, making it all the way down to Lodge in Egypt? It was the gifts of the Magi. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh actually funded them to become refugees in another country to save Jesus from Herod. Jesus was not only king and savior of the Jews, but of everyone. The star itself points to that we as followers of Jesus should point other people of other faiths to Jesus. We are meant to be a compelling sign that draws others to Christ. It says when they found the the star over Bethlehem after months of traveling, they we're overwhelmed with joy. Their response is appropriate. It's an appropriate Christmas response. Joy. Joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, right? It, it should describe our lives, our personhood, our personality. Joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. You know what's not a fruit of the Spirit? Seriousness, <laughs> right? Joy, joy, laughter, fun. That's why we're wearing these sweaters. Our lives of joy should testify to the reality of Jesus. But there are other ways to testify. I read about a man who decided to send out 600 Christmas cards to complete strangers. He, uh, he got a telephone directory of several cities and addressed 600 cards to people that he had never met um, all over the United States and Uh, had put his own return address on it, mailed them. Amazingly, out of the 600, he received 117 responses. Some people just go, oh, we forgot about him, and then they wrote their (laughs) card and sent it to him. One lady wrote, it was so good to hear from you. Your card arrived the day I got home from the hospital, and I can't tell you what an encouragement was to hear from an old friend. Another wrote, I have to admit... That when we received your card, we couldn't really picture you. We had to think hard for a long time before we remembered. By the way, please give our regards to your father. He is such a wonderful man. (laughs) But I think this one took the cake. One guy wrote, It was so good to hear from you after all these years. By the way, we're going to be near your house next summer. Would it be all right if we came and stayed a few days at your place? (laughs) You need to be careful who you send your Christmas cards to. Maybe don't bear witness that way. But the story of the shepherds and the magi tells us whether you're poor or lowly like the shepherds or you're rather rich and influential like the magi, there is a place for us at the manger. We are all called to draw near to Jesus. And I want to close with a familiar story. Author name named uh, Bret Hart wrote a story about the Wild West called The Luck of Roaring Camp. And Lo- Roaring Camp was the meanest and toughest mining town in all of the West, There was more murders and thefts than any other place. And Roaring Camp was inhabited almost entirely by men, except for there was one woman. Her name was Cherokee Sal. And Cherokee Sal made her living the way a woman surrounded by men can. And she was the town prostitute. Eventually, Cherokee Sal became pregnant and gave birth to a baby. She died in childbirth, and no one knew who the father might be. So the men put the baby girl in a box and some old rags underneath it. And somehow that didn't seem right. And so one of them rode 80 miles to a town and purchased this beautiful uh, rosewood cradle. When they put the rags in there, the baby uh, just didn't look right inside this beautiful cradle with these old rags. And so another man rode to Sacramento to buy beautiful blankets to lay in the cradle. The men lined the rosewood cradle with silk and tucked the baby girl. Then someone noticed that the floor under the cradle was dirty. And so, a few of these big tough men got on their hands and knees and scrubbed all around till the floor was spotless. And of course, then the walls and the ceiling. So they washed the walls and the ceiling, hung some curtains, and things were beginning to look a lot better, but soon they realized that they had to give up their carousing and their fighting. After all, babies need to sleep, and fighting, yelling, and cussing keeps babies from sleeping. Besides that, the baby didn't like all the angry voices and the frowning faces. So the men started smiling and talking in pleasant and cheerful tones. And since babies shouldn't be left alone, they set the cradle by the entrance of the mine and the men stayed with her and some worked inside. As they worked, the men looked for shiny stones that they could hold in front of the baby and make her coo and ah. But when they held the stones... Their hands look dirty and, and black from the soot. And they didn't want to scare the little baby with their scraggly hair and wild beards. Pretty soon, the general store was out of all shaving and cleaning products. The baby changed everything. The baby changed everything. It's a small picture of what that baby in that manger in this small town of 300 in Bethlehem. It changed everything. We're going to talk more about this baby next week, but Jesus changes everything. When Dex was just a little toddler, one and two, uh, I I would point at something, son, look over there, look over there. And what would he do? Just look at my finger. I go, son, look over there. And and I go, no, 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 son, where I'm pointing to. And he'd look at that. He's missing what I'm pointing to. Christmas is not about the genealogy of Jesus. Christmas is not about Joseph, the righteous. Christmas is not about Hail Mary, full of grace. And Christmas is not about shepherds and magi. All of those are pointing to Jesus. To focus on the other things is to stare at the finger and miss the point. Miss what it's pointing to. It is pointing to Jesus. They are pointing us to Jesus. Like that great northern star. I want to invite Noe in the worship band to come up. And I want to close with this. And this will be on the screens. If you had been a lowly shepherd who heard the angels sing, Would you have left your sheep alone to find the baby king? If you had been the innkeeper, pressed and hurried since the dawn, would you have done the best you could or told them to move on? If you had been a wise man, due respect and courtly graces, would you have left it all to search in unknown places? We cannot know what we'd have done if we had been there then. We only know what we do now when chances come again. Let's pray. God, we do not want to miss what everything is pointing to. The joy in our children's faces to receive a presence points us to you and the joy found in you, Jesus. The love in our homes or for family or for friends isn't just over eggnog or coffee in holiday sweaters. It points us to something. It points us to something deeper, more meaningful, more true. It points us to Jesus. God, I pray that our lives would be drawn to you, that our character and our integrity would be shaped by you and that our hearts would be molded by you. God, we thank you for hope. And God, I know that there's some people in this place that are just going through some stuff. I pray God that hope reigns in their hearts right now. Spirit of God, would you, would you empower them with that hope? Hope came down 2000 years ago. So God, may you empower us with your hope to keep going, that things will turn out, that this is not the end of the story, that this is just a page. And so God, would you help us trust in you before the page turns. So God, we thank you for hope coming down in Jesus. Thank you God for drawing us to that manger, to that baby who we follow, who grew to call us to love our enemies as Christ forgives those who hurt him, to love, to share, to be a witness. Let us follow you, Jesus, wherever you may call us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close with this Christmas song, When Hope Came Down?